What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is joining me here in just a minute to talk about a wild week three where everything we thought we do got turned on its head. That's uh, the best part of the NFL season is that nothing is ever for sure and everything is just changing every week. So we're really excited to talk about that. But first, if you haven't got a chance yet, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fouled out. We have a couple great podcasts up about college football and baseball right now. This weekend, my NBA picks for the upcoming NBA season are coming out as well. So you're not going to want to miss that one. You can get all that content and more for just $3 a month. It's less than you pay for a cup of coffee. Uh, so go on over and check that out if you get a chance. But for now, Matt and I are going to talk about a wild week three. Let's go. We are back. Matt is here. Matt, I would like to start this week's podcast with a very somber, very serious moment of silence for the 2022 Buffalo Bills undefeated season. Please join me, everyone listening to this podcast, in our moment of silence. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Matt, what the hell happened this weekend? The NFL. <laughs> it's this weekend was a good reminder that any given Sunday is a phrase for a reason. Uh, some of the big favorites, like the Buffalo Bills, lost this weekend. Uh, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, among a few others. I, I get. I feel like we get to put to bed one of the most annoying narratives of the early NFL season that Buffalo was just going to run roughshod over everybody. Right. I won't, won't say any names, but. I was listening to a podcast the other day with a Buffalo Bills fan and he was so confident and so like annoyingly confident that they were going to beat Miami this weekend that I actually found myself rooting for the Dolphins, uh, which is something that I try to never do. And things got wacky down in Miami, man. This is just a place where favorites go to die. I mean, we talked about that offense last week and like it's dangerous. You know, both teams have pretty pretty good defenses and they were able to muddy up the game a little bit and at the end of the day, they had two wide receivers that are big problems and the Buffalo Bills only had one. Yeah, it was a weird game too. 21-19. Yeah, I just I don't see how the Buffalo Bills lost a game where the other team kicked the ball off their own players ass for a safety. I feel like that should just be like an automatic disqualification. That's the mercy rule. That's where we end the game right there. Right. Yeah, no, I think anytime there is a play that you can call but anything. You lose the game immediately right there on the spot. That should be it. And it was. It was a weird game for Josh Allen, too, because he played really well for most of it. But they had a fourth and one near the end of the game right before the butt kick. Where he had Isaiah McKenzie wide open on the right side of the end zone, and he like one hopped it to him. Like Josh Allen, one of the strongest arms in the league. I don't know if the ball slipped or what happened, but that ball bounced before it ever got to McKenzie. I was like, God, that's 
a weird throw from Allen, but you know, sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good, especially if you're the Miami Dolphins and like one, you kicked a ball off someone's ass and still won the game. And two, like Josh Allen hits that throw 999 out of a thousand times. And that just happened to be the one time that he didn't. Look, every quarterback's going to miss a throw here or there for sure. He's not going to miss that throw again the rest of the season. No chance of that. Just kind of a fluke. And like, what are you going to do about it if you're Buffalo? You just got to move on. Yeah, it. I mean, we talk about this all the time with teams winning the Super Bowl is that it can just be like one bounce or one player, like one weird thing that goes wrong that prevents you from winning the Super Bowl. And when you think of like how many things have to go right for you to have an undefeated regular season, I just I felt like it was so stupid that there were like talking heads and fans talking about like, oh, look how good they looked for through two weeks. Maybe they can win 17 games this season. It, it's nearly impossible in the NFL. And that's the best yeah. part about the NFL is that any given Sunday, any team can beat any other team. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt like it was ridiculous when teams would get to like 9-0, and 10-0, and people would start to predict that they're going to run the table. Like, it never happens. It's happened twice in NFL history. And only one of those times did they not complete it. Did they complete it in the playoffs as well? I'm not going to say which one because I don't want a certain somebody to start crying on the air. Two games was not nearly enough of a sample size for anyone to start predicting that. And if the NFL history has not been enough reason for you to decide that the first two weeks of the NFL season should have been enough for you to, to realize that as well. It's funny. I was actually talking to my dad about the 2007 Patriots the other day. And we're like, you know, what did they do? As great as the undefeated season was, the undefeated regular season, we were both like, yeah, we much would, we much rather would have lost that last game of the season to the Giants, and then won the Super Bowl. And I was like, yeah, that's the good way to do eighteen and one. The way that we did eighteen and one is the worst possible way you can do eighteen and one. Yeah. Nope. There's there's no other way to do eighteen and one. That is worse than that <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, i do want to mention to be fair to the buffalo bills though that the miami dolphins cheated on sunday by bringing a very clearly concussed to a tongue of hyloa back into the game yeah i thought that was so weird so they they take him out and take him right into the concussion tent and like dude tua was so concussed that i could see the cartoon birds flying around his head like you yeah. can tell that guy had his head nailed the turf. So they take him in the concussion tent and bring him back out. And he like comes back into the game and keeps playing. And then after the game, they're like, oh yeah, he, he hurt his back. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. He hurt, he hurt his back. So you took him into the concussion tent. That's like rubbing aloe vera on someone's neck because they got shot in the foot. <laughs> I, <laughs> If you understand that reference, then hit me up because you're a real one. But it, it was so weird. They very clearly put a concussed Tua back in that game because they thought they could win. Uh, and now they're getting investigated yeah. by the NFL. Yeah, no, they absolutely uh, Colt McCoyed him. 
which if you know what I'm talking about with Colt McCoy, it, that is why I am 100% okay with the Cleveland Browns never achieving anything. Wait, what's what's the play call? Oh, okay. Wait, what's my name? Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where is my sandwich? Literally, <laughs> there's my sandwich. Yeah, Colt McCoy literally forgot his name in the huddle because he was so concussed. And they're like, nah, he's fine. He's fine. Watch him. Watch him go. Yeah, I mean, so besides the Bills losing, uh, the other one that was kind of a shocker was that the Chiefs got upset by the Colts as well. Yeah. 20 to 17 in a really just weird game for the Chiefs. I feel like they just have one of these every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got they really got burned by their special teams. You know, yeah. bad, like missing field goals, muffing punts. Like, is there anything worse than your team muffing a punt? I mean, if you want to be super specific, I would say getting a punt blocked. Um, but I will broaden it out and say there is no worse way to lose a game than losing it because of special teams. Like a full, not like, oh, we missed a kick at the end of the game. Like, pervasively throughout the game special teams lost you the game you know what's worse than special teams losing you the game i am not going to talk about that going 18 and 1 and losing the super bowl <laughs> it hurts it hurts said it. it's been 15 years and it Your still words. hurts i i was just watching the i was watching the film going back in the game and i was just like god muffing a punt just hurts so bad because you got the stop. You force yeah. the punt. You're getting the ball back. And then all of a sudden, the other team has the ball. I mean, I would say 99 times out of 100, they're getting the ball in scoring position. Right. When you drop a punt. I mean, it's it's the 30-yard line or deeper. You know, generally a lot deeper than that. So I think that's brutal. Yeah. Anytime you lose a game because of special teams, like your offense, your defense played well, and special teams is the thing that burns you because... I feel like special teams are seen as like it should be automatic. You know, like field goals, like generally like with the kickers, especially if it's not from a super long distance, you're like, okay, like it should be automatic. Catching a punt is like it shouldn't. You know, do you know what I mean? Do you feel that way too? Like people see it that way. It's it's not that way in actuality, but I feel like people see it that way. No, I mean. So it's special teams like even like the formations alone give the team with the ball a major advantage for it to go catastrophically wrong. It has to be failures on your player's end. It's not just like guys on the other side making a great effort. Occasionally. Yeah. That happens. If you get like a guy coming off an edge to block a field goal or something like that. But 99 times out of 100 it is a failure on someone's end that is on the offense yeah it reminds me of the packers last year because they had one of the best records in the league and they were like super high in offensive and defensive dvoa but they were dead last in special teams dvoa yeah and that's what ended up burning them in the playoffs yeah you can't do that no and it's just can't I kind of look at the Chiefs and I wonder if they could be that team this year where like you're really good on both sides of the ball, 
but you have a liability on special teams. That's a very real possibility. It's three games though. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. There's a lot of time to get that stuff worked out. Um, but man, like that's just one that burns deep. That's the kind of shit that keeps you up late at night. Yeah, it well, I mean, especially with uh, Harrison Butker being out right now, like he'll be yeah. back, I'm assuming, from his rolled ankle, and that'll help the kicking game a lot. But right, for sure. Yeah, I just I feel like losing because of special teams is just one of the toughest things to swallow in all of sports. What do you make of the Colts now that they beat the Chiefs? I cannot make heads or tails of the Colts at all. I do not understand them. They should have been better to start the season, and then they should have gotten waxed. So, what the fuck? <laughs> They're such a weird team to me because, like, we talked about this after week one. They got, like, 160 yards out of Taylor and, like, 100 and something yards out of Pittman and, like, 350 out of Matt Ryan against the Texans and then tied them and couldn't put that game away. And then you look at the Colts game and, like, nobody or the chiefs game and nobody had a particularly good game on the Colts side, except for that tight end who caught two touchdown passes. But like, it wasn't like Ryan went off. It wasn't like, you know, I could understand if Taylor went for like two fifty and four touchdowns, you just pick, like, oh, okay, well, you know, Jonathan Taylor's going to have those days. Right. No- nobody particularly went crazy. It's just like the chiefs played bad special teams and like, it's another lesson. So, you know, the Bills game, it's in any given Sunday, you got to be sharp. You got to make the yeah. plays. Chiefs game, you got to, there's three phases to the ball. It's not just offense and defense like so many people like to believe. Special teams is the thing that puts the other team's offense and defense in bad positions if you execute it well. That's an incredibly vital weapon to have. And also, if yours is bad, it is a weapon for the other team that they're going to use against you. You can't just look at a team's depth chart and see offensive defense and be like, okay, well, they're going to be great. They're going to see more people. Like all of these guys on special teams are like usually like fringe roster players. It's just about them being disciplined enough in their role on special teams to be effective. And it makes a big difference on Sundays. And unfortunately for these guys, if they are not disciplined frequently enough, they're then out of a job and they've got to go back to the drawing board. That's one of the things that made the Patriots dynasty so great for so long too was like the attention to special teams and also the fact that they had they consistently had guys like Matthew Slater just be a pro bowl special teams guy all the time like just guys who were excellent on special teams uh Justin Bethel was like that too when they acquired him from the Lions actually he was like a pro bowl level special teams guy and that's why they went out and got him so yeah like you're right a lot of teams just fill out you know the kick teams and the punt teams and all that stuff with you know, whoever's on the roster, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just throw out whoever. But if you could actually have like good special teams, that goes a long way to winning football games in the NFL. The Bills lose, the Chiefs lose. 
teams that we at one point thought were going to be pretty dominant. We've had a bunch of other teams that we thought were going to be good, not look good. The 49ers lose a weird one to the Broncos. Uh, the Rams are, have been meh so far this season. It leads me to the question, is anyone actually good? And the answer after three weeks is maybe, and maybe it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> the Jags mollywopped the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday, 38-10. Yeah. to 10. And it's only been three weeks, so we have to take this with like a massive grain of salt. Like, take this with all the grains of salt you can without raising your blood pressure. But by all of like the advanced stuff that you look at to see if a team is actually good, mm-hmm. they all point to Jacksonville being really good. Uh, they're second in scoring margin at plus 46. They're only behind the Buffalo Bills. They are second in DVOA. And then they're fifth in offensive DVOA and fourth in defensive DVOA. So it's only been three weeks and we don't have a big enough sample size for DVOA to be statistically significant. Yeah. But I will tell you that I, I looked at this last week and I was like, wow, the Jags are really high in DVOA. That must just be a weird thing because they shut out the Colts. So I'm just going to ignore that. And then they went and beat the shit out of the Chargers. I feel like there's a few things happening there. I would think that their defense is coming together. And, uh, well, he's maybe not like stacking up the counting stats. Uh, the other Josh Allen is uh, making his presence known on the field. I have uh, in my notes, Josh Allen has been a menace. Yeah. Josh Allen, also known as the man that I fervently wanted the Lions to draft the year they drafted Hawkinson and he was stolen right in front of us. I didn't think he was going to get close. He was, I think he was like my number one or two player on my board. Um, I always had some injury stuff popped up, but like, man, he has been getting shit done this year uh also the only player in nfl history to sack somebody who has the same name as him yep take that for what you will and the other thing is uh well seems like they found a head coach who realizes that uh james robinson is really really fucking good at football and you should keep giving him the ball which doesn't make Doug Peterson a good coach. It just means he's not an idiot. <laughs> it's funny because like at the Jags being good so far this season does not make me believe that Doug Peterson is a good coach. It, I think it just outlines how bad Urban Meyer is. Right. It's just like you clearly have a lot of talent on this roster. And that's kind of like what I've seen, too, is that especially on the defensive side of the ball, they've spent a lot of premium picks on that side over the last couple of years. And all of those guys are showing out like Devin Lloyd is leading the league in pass breakups right now. And he also has two interceptions. Yeah, he's been incredible. One of my favorite my guys from this past draft. Uh, Walker has actually been pretty good so far this season. 
And then Tyson Campbell and Davon Hamilton have been good as well. And these are all guys that they've drafted in the last, like, you know, if you include Josh Allen, these are all guys they've gotten the last three to four years. The most important thing for this team, though, is that it looks like Trevor Lawrence has taken a jump into his second year. Uh, and again, grain of salt because it's super early, but the completion percentage is up from 59% to 69%. And his nice. Q- QBR, yeah. <laughs> his QBR went from 33.5 last season to 71 so far this season. So, I mean, it's early, but he's played light years ahead of where he was playing last year. Um, And I know that there's people that'll come out and tell you that he actually played a lot better than his stats showed last year. No, he did not play well last year. But he was, yeah, he did play better than his stats, but his stats were so abysmal. That doesn't mean that he played good. Right. Like, it's like, you're like, no, like ice isn't wet. It's like, okay, well, like, yeah, it's not as wet as water, but it's still wet. Yeah, it's still wet. (laughs) But like, just don't don't try to make that argument. He he is playing better. Um, he's still. I know that those numbers are better, but like looking at how he's played in some of these games, like he's still not where I would like to see him be at at this point. That does not mean that he will not be there week eight or nine, right? That's uh, a totally realistic possibility. Just getting more live fire reps, not being coached by, you know, a psychopath. But I mean, things are trending in the right direction for them. You know, having that guy in the backfield is very, very helpful. And this is one of those weird situations where, like, we have a beer bet, and, like, the semantics of the arguments that we both made could both end up being right. (laughs) Regardless of who wins, but, like, we both, with what we were trying to prove with our arguments, could both be right at the end of the year. Yeah, ETN was actually pretty good on yeah. Sunday as well. Um, that'll be funny. We'll just have to buy each other a beer. We'll just have to go to a bar and buy each other a beer. Twist my arm. Yep. <laughs> Don't you threaten me with a good time. Uh, yeah, I mean, the James Robinson thing, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, no arguing there. That makes it a lot easier for Trevor Lawrence, too. Like, when you have a running back who's playing that well, to be able to, like, use that threat and throw off play action... You know, we kind of we trashed the Jags in the offseason for a lot of the money that they spent. But like Christian Kirk's been pretty good. Uh, Zay Jones, big day the other day, 10 catches for 85 and a touchdown. So, you know, there's definitely some talent on that team. But you're absolutely right. The most important thing for them is going to be, can Trevor Lawrence continue to play at this level? And then can he keep upping his game every week? Like, we want to see that second year jump out of this guy. I'm excited to see what he does, uh, particularly this weekend. They're going up against Philly, who that defense has looked pretty nasty so far. So I, I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get some tests, and this is when we want to see him take it up a notch, right? Like, 
he was supposed to be the next Andrew Luck. I didn't think he was ever that polished, but he's had a year. This is his chance with these upcoming games to show that he's going to be that type of player. Because, you know, he showed some stuff as a rookie, but, like, he didn't show enough for us to be like, man, like, this kid's got it. He's he's still got to show that. And it'll be fun to see him going up against some more significant tests going forward. Hopefully, you know, proving his doubt is wrong. Because there's one thing that the NFL does have right. The league is just better when there's more good quarterbacks. Yeah, if you would have told me that Jacksonville versus the Eagles was the game I was looking forward to most in week four, I would have been like, what the fuck happened? Uh, There's a couple other good ones too, but I think that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. I think that like Bills and Ravens will be really fun too, especially with how Lamar has been playing. But I think that's the one I'm looking forward to the most is to see how like Hurts and how uh, Trevor Lawrence do against better defenses or defenses that we at least think are pretty good right now. But watching... Watching Trevor Lawrence over the weekend started making me think about who are the guys who through the first three weeks of the season look like they've made a jump from this season or from last season to this season. Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence is obviously one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, I made a quick list of like guys that I wanted to highlight and we can talk about some of them a little bit. Yeah. The number one guy on my list was Jalen Hurts. You know, he looks like he's made a similar jump. So, like, his QBR was 485 last year. Uh, He's at 75 so far this season. He's been great passing the ball. He's had a couple 300-yard games. But, I mean, really, to unlock that offense, all he really had to do was be competent passing the ball. Uh, And he's looked a lot better than competent so far this season. For sure. Yeah. He looks good. Uh, This one I threw in there for you. Lions cornerback Jeff Okuda. Yeah, I could talk about this the rest of this podcast. He <laughs> he has looked incredible. I mean, first of all, I won't spend too much time on this part because we've talked about it multiple times. Uh, coming back from an Achilles like that, and especially at the most physically difficult position to play in the NFL is incredible that he is able okay I'll put it this way he spent the vast majority of week three guarding Justin Jefferson Justin Justin Jefferson had 14 yards thank you Jeff Okuda for helping me win my fantasy matchups and you know who didn't feel comfortable having their cornerback their top cornerback, Shadow Justin Jefferson, the Packers. Jeff Okuda has surpassed Jair Jair Alexander. He is turning himself into a lockdown corner, which is, you know, why he was drafted third overall, but maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have your players coached by Matt Patricia. That that is the real (laughs) lesson here is just don't have your players coached by Matt Patricia. Don't do it. Yeah, I I mean, he's starting to look like the guy that they drafted third overall. Yeah. 
And I, I think that what happens sometimes, especially when you draft a corner that high, is that people forget that cornerback is the hardest position yep. outside of quarterback to transition into the NFL. Like I, yep. I think it's been it's been talked about on this podcast time and time mm-hmm. again. There's articles written about it. There's all sorts of research. Cornerback is probably the second hardest position, and it's not that far off from quarterback. No. For an NFL uh, transition. Everybody remember that Darius Slay got benched as a rookie. There's been a lot of talk in, in the malign sphere about another cornerback in that game. Because obviously, Amani Oruwarie had a really rough game. He should not have been playing. <laughs> His back is still injured. So, you cannot play cornerback if you are not at least close to 100%. Yeah, I I concur wholeheartedly. Uh, but Jeff Okuda, really good so far this season. He's locked up Justin Jefferson, Devonta Smith, and Terry McLaurin through the first three weeks of the season. Uh, he's going to get another test. I think he's probably going to get DK Metcalf. Yep. Either Metcalf or Lockett. Yeah. This weekend. Either so. Way. <laughs> Yeah, it's either way, it's not uh it's not super easy, even though Geno Smith's throwing him the ball and then uh they go up to New England where they're gonna face uh Devontae Parker without Mac Jones. I I don't want to talk about the Patriots. Parker's gonna get like 150 yards in that game. He had 156 yards this week. Pretty good game, but uh it looks like Mac is gonna be out probably six to eight weeks and he's fighting with the coaching staff and the medical staff about how long he's going to be out. And I, <laughs> and you gotta love him though, man. I know man. we're, we're going to talk about the Patriots a little bit in random thoughts, yeah. but God damn, man, this is not going well so far No. Uh, but so my next guy on my list, Cortland Sutton, uh, he's fifth in the NFL in receiving yards. And I, it's kind of hard to say that he made a jump because he's always been really good. Yeah. But he's getting like more national recognition now. He had a nice game against the 49ers the other day. Um yeah. and he does he deserves it. He's a good player. No, it's it's not that he's better than he was. It's literally the fact that Teddy Bridgewater refused to throw to him for two years. I I don't understand it. Uh I mentioned that Christian Kirk has looked like he's been worth the money yeah. so far in Jacksonville. He's played well. Uh, my last two guys, I had a couple running backs. Uh, Corderell Patterson has been phenomenal yes. so far this season for the Falcons. Like there was thought before the season that you should be picking up Tyler Algiers in nope. fantasy because uh, he was going to take over that job. And Corderell Patterson said, "Hell no!" Yeah, he's been fantastic. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, mm-hmm. I think, has played really well this season. Um, yeah. And it makes you wonder, too, like the Chiefs invested a lot of money in that offensive line. You know, they kind of took the money out of receiver and put it in O-line. And then all of a sudden, CEH is playing a lot better. You know, put a talented running back behind a good line, man. You're going to see results. Is that the end of your list? Uh, The only other guy I wanted to mention was Khalil Herbert, who has just always been better. He's just always been good, but... People really saw it on Sunday after Montgomery yeah, went down. Carlos. <laughs> I don't we're gonna talk about David Montgomery yeah. here in a little bit too, um, but man. Yeah. Uh I'll throw another running back out there. Obviously, uh he he was battling an ankle last week, so he wasn't as good in week three, but 
DeAndre Swift, obviously we've talked about him before. He's made a huge jump. Uh, battling an seeing... ankle sounds so funny. It's like he, he didn't play that good. He was busy battling an ankle. It's time consuming, man. Kind of under the radar, but Geno Smith. Yeah, and Jacoby Brissett has played well as well. Like both of those guys have been kind of written off, but they've been given an opportunity and they are both thriving in those opportunities. Are they going to be top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL? No, but they are proving that they are competent starting NFL quarterbacks and you can win with them if you have quality players around them. I mean, I, I think I've texted this to you before, but I I'll make this prediction here on the podcast right now. The Browns will have a better winning percentage with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback this year than they will with Watson when he comes back. I think they'll have a winning record until he comes back and then they're going to struggle a lot offensively with Watson under center. You can't just switch it up like that and expect nothing to not have problems. You can't. I could see it, but it's still probably better for them long-term to give Watson the reps at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, but it's going to be a hard sell for some of the guys in the locker room when they, you know, feel like, you know, hey, we just got to get in the playoffs. We got to, once we're in the playoffs, then anything can happen. Very easily could play their way out of the playoffs once Watson ends up starting. I know his talent is through the roof, but man, like there's there's a lot of other stuff that goes into whether or not your offense is actually good. Who would you rather have right now? Russell Wilson or Geno Smith? I'm taking Geno right now. I, I feel like that's the right answer. Yeah. Who would you rather have right now? Baker Mayfield or Jacoby Brissett? Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Khalil Herbert or David Montgomery? Oh, it's always been Khalil Herbert. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes like the backups in the NFL are maybe just like better than the starters and the starters are just the starters because of like other reasons. Like, you know, they're the yeah. face of the franchise or they're getting paid the most money. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of I expect the Russell Wilson thing to turn around a little bit this season. It will. But I, I was low on him coming into the year. But not this low, like as bad as that no. offense has been. Uh, oof. I think we're at a point where we have to ask the question, how much of this is Nathaniel Hackett? He can't quite hack it in the NFL. God damn it. <laughs> you had to see that one coming. I'm more disappointed in myself, but go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, I, I don't feel like Nathaniel Hackett knows the rules of the NFL. I texted you this the other day when I was watching the game. Yeah. They sacked, I think they sacked Garoppolo at like the two yard line and like flung him back into the end zone. And Hackett's on the sideline doing the safety. Like he's got his hands above his head and he's like cheering and stuff. And he's getting all pissed off at the refs when they spot the ball at the two. And like, I was, the, your players weren't even calling for a safety. No. Usually it's like the players do it and they're wrong, but like the coaches on the sidelines, like doing a little safety dance. Uh, and they've just been 
brutal this season. Yeah. And the, the coaching decisions have just been... It's just been a head-scratcher, man. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about coaching decisions a little later, too. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, who would you rather have, Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, definitely Jimmy at this point. <laughs> that's, I want one who can stand. That's fair, but I felt like so many 49ers fans watched the Denver game the other day and went, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's why we spent all that money on a, or all those picks on a quarterback. Uh, to be fair to Jimmy, though, we mentioned this in the offseason. He was like banished to the desert and he wasn't even given a playbook. And now he's the starting quarterback. So he he needs a little bit of time. Yeah. All right. On to America's favorite segment. Brought to you by me drinking too many White Claws on Sunday. Random thoughts from week three of the NFL season. What are you? Are you drinking a high noon? It is a high noon, but the the virtual background would let me show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> this like blasphemy is that I'm so I am like a I'm a white claw man, which <laughs> I know sounds like an oxymoron, but I, it's not I, possible. I only drink white claw, like unless there, unless there's nothing else there. I don't like cheat with other bastard seltzers like high noon. <laughs> See, what Adam's not telling you is that the reason why he strictly drinks White Claws is that his sensitive tum-tum can't handle it, and he drinks anything other than White Claws. He will uh, be Rorschach testing his toilet bowl. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Have I ever sent you that meme that's like the guy driving in his car and it says like me driving to work or me driving to pick up Pepto Bismol for my tum tum while listening to music about <laughs> killing people and selling drugs. Yeah. My favorite meme. This is me. That's me. Uh, random thought. Number one, I guess that was probably random thought. Number one, but random thought. <laughs> number one from week three. Expectations are what ruins football. So I saw a guy on Reddit the other day in the post-game thread from the Raiders game say that he feels like his soul has been ripped out of his body from watching the Raiders so far this season. And my first thought was that he obviously doesn't listen to this podcast because if he did, he would know that the Raiders did not pass my vibe check in the offseason and that therefore they were not going to be good. But my second thought was like, so I'm not disappointed in the Raiders, even though they're 0-3 because I had low expectations for the Raiders this season. I am not disappointed in the Patriots, my team, because I had low expectations for the Patriots, because we bought Matt Patricia back, and I knew that that was instantly a horrible idea. (laughs) And so my message to you, football fans, is if you want to enjoy football, you should let your soul die and have no expectations for anything. (laughs) That way, you can't be disappointed when your team loses after being up 24 to 14. That's it. That's the thought. I'm watching Matt let his soul die in real time. Pain. This is what I love about Detroit fans is that, like, after everything you guys have been through, you still drink the the blue Kool-Aid every offseason, and you still get your hopes up every game. The Patriots have been bad. Here's the thing, though. We were right this game. Like, we were right. We were the better team. Everyone says like, oh, well, you know, like we weren't supposed to win that game. Like 
if you watch that game until we decided that we were losing that game, there was no debate who the better team on the field was, and it was not the Vikings. You were much better than the Vikings, but you're still the Lions. Yeah. And something bad is going to happen. Yeah. But I was uh, just I was thinking about it, though, because the Patriots have been bad for two years, and I'm just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> right. Uh, Actually, I just let my soul die when Mac Jones went down with that injury. I was just like it. As the stories came out <laughs> about him, like not taking the team's advice and wanting a second opinion. I was like, first of all, good for you. Don't ever let your employer give you medical advice. But secondly, like my soul is slowly dying because I could just see a world where all of a sudden he doesn't want to come back and the coaching staff is pissed. And then <clears throat> we have the worst record in the league this season, but we trade the first overall pick for 76 six round picks. It's a dark timeline in my head. Yeah. So I guess that's a good spot to roll into my first random thought. You want to say the line, Adam? Charger's going to charge. Wrong. Well, that's true. But That happened, too. One. Scared money don't make money. Oh, that's my favorite line. I can't believe I flubbed that. Yeah, you fucked that up. I'm, I'm divorcing you. Mm. To be fair, the Chargers did charge the other day, though. They did. They did, like, from the start. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it was a whole game of it. Oh, God. I mean, the Lions had that game won. They were clearly the better team. There's a lot of people who will tell you a lot of things that determined whether or not the Lions won or lost that game. But truly, what happened that decided the game in the end was running the ball up the middle against nine and ten man boxes because you were afraid to maybe lose the game. And they even bailed you out with a defensive holding call at one point and gave you another shot. And then you just went right back to it. And then you have a chance for a long field goal. And your cooker is already instilling zero confidence in anyone. And the field goal is only going to make it a one-score game. And if you miss the field goal, that is the closest to the other end zone that the offense is going to be. And you decide to kick it instead of going for it on fourth when you're Four for six on fourth downs. The Lions got scared <laughs> of losing the game and abandoned their entire philosophy of being aggressive. And that's why they lost the game. Not our Warriors five flags, not the officials missing numerous holding calls on Vikings fight. Like none of that was what determined the game. What determined the game was being afraid to make an aggressive move when you had a chance to close out a team. They were scared they were going to lose their money, and therefore they did not make any money. Correct. And we we see this every week with some team, right? 
it's it's hitting home for me because it's my team right now. But like every week, someone does it. I was talking about this over the weekend with Dan Campbell that I think he's like the best like hype man in the entire end. Well, not with Dan Campbell, but about Dan Campbell. <laughs> so yeah, I was just talking to Dan Campbell. Didn't get him so on the didn't podcast. Didn't invite me to this conversation. Didn't tell you I was talking to him. I was just talking to Dan. Uh, he's like the best hype man in the NFL. Yeah. You know, I would run through a wall for that dude. Yeah. But I think that he's still learning like the game management piece of it a little bit, which is fine because yeah. he's a second year head coach who was like a tight ends coach before mm-hmm. that. Um, and like the X's and O's thing, it still needs some yeah. work. And I, I think if he was a little bit more experienced in the strategy department. Yeah. I actually thought that like punting instead of kicking that, like attempting that last field goal might've even been a better option because then you make Kirk cousins go the length of the field. That I would have loved it, but I, I would have been okay with punting there. Uh, I would have gone for it, but also I would not have run the ball at nine and 10 man boxes. Yeah, I was watching the Lions like early in that game and thinking with that offensive line, I would go for it every time. (laughs) Like I would go for every fourth down. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's a learning opportunity for him. And like, yes, obviously, like he's still a young head coach. Uh, He's had more experience than anyone usually remembers because he you know he was interim in Miami as well and I think that quite frankly he knew as soon as he made the call and they snapped the ball like what a mistake it was but I do think just the lack of repetition and the lack of games under his belt allowed the emotions to take over in the moment. And like, we all see how much he wants to win for his players. And I do not expect him to make that particular mistake again. No, it'll come with experience. Yeah. But uh, my next random thought, fantasy football turns you into a bad person. Sometimes. So I think most people who know me know, like, I'm I'm a pretty nice person. Like, I'm I'm pretty chill. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm at least pretty nice. I have Khalil Herbert on my fantasy team who absolutely went off after David Montgomery got injured the other day. So obviously it's beneficial for me if David Montgomery is out for a significant period of time. Well, later in the day on Sunday, I was searching Twitter and I was searching... uh the news on Google for news about what David Montgomery's injury was. And I was sitting there and I was like, you know, God, I really hope it's serious. <laughs> I was like, that is not something that nice, good people do wish bad fortune on others. So I apologize, David Montgomery, but like, if you could just miss the rest of the season, that would be really great for my fantasy team. Yeah. I mean, I think, Everyone who's played fantasy football has kind of been in that boat before. It you don't feel good about it, but like man, it sure would be convenient. Well, I I know, you know, and just in the moment that was my thought. And then I looked back on it and I was like, ah, oh, that's really fucked up of me to think that. 
But at the same time, like, come on, man, I need Khalil Herbert to start at least a couple games. I'm playing you this weekend. My next reign of thought is Lamar Jackson should have been paid already, and he is going to receive a record deal at some point. The, the, the reality of the situation is that the Ravens probably franchise tag him this offseason, and then they decide not to give in next season, and then they franchise him again, and they just drag this all out. But eventually when he gets paid, he's going to shatter whatever the quarterback market looks like at that point in time. Because he does things that no one else that is starting at quarterback can do. Should I do my Lamar Jackson bit that I texted you the other day? Go for so it. stupid. So Lamar Jackson is the quarterback on my fantasy team, which has obviously been very beneficial to me. I was, I you know, set my lineup the other day and I saw it's Lamar Jackson against New England. And I was like, oh my God, he is going to absolutely annihilate us on Sunday. Yep. I was like, he's just going to destroy us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get 40 points out of this guy. And I woke up on Sunday and I was like, you know, maybe, maybe we got a shot in this game. Maybe that we're not just going to get destroyed. <laughs> By Lamar. So this is why we do the podcast earlier in the week is because the closer we get to game time, the more I switch into like fan mode where I'm yeah. like, maybe we have a chance early in the week when I'm rational and I'm setting my fantasy lineup. I know that Lamar Jackson is going to absolutely obliterate the Patriots. On Sunday, though, I'm like, eh, you know, the run defense isn't that bad. <laughs> And he beat the shit out of us the other day. He was incredible again. Yeah. Five touchdowns, you know, 200 something passing and another hundred rushing. Ugh, he's on the war path, man. And I, I'm excited to see what he does against Buffalo this weekend. Cause yeah, if he has, if he has a big game against Buffalo, the MVP chatter gets going really loud next week. I would throw like five first round picks at Baltimore to trade for him. I, I do not care. Like, I picture like that fry from Futurama with like a handful of first round picks. Shut like, up and, shut take, up my and take my picks. Uh, my uh, last last random thought. I don't trust. Like I'm starting to not trust PFF grades anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was looking. We're doing like the breakout players. We're doing the guys who took the big jump this week, and I was going through their grades. And like Jeff Okuda, like is graded badly. He's like a 66 in coverage. And I'm like, okay, that's not right. Nope. That's but it, just bad. <laughs> yeah. It was really outlined for me. So week one, Patrick Mahomes threw for 360 yards and five touchdowns against the Cardinals. And then PFF put out their first set of grades saying that Patrick Mahomes was graded at a 71.5. And they explained it by being like, well, you know, he wasn't actually that good. The Cardinals defense was really bad. You don't score a lot of points for like, checking down to a running back or like hitting a wide open receiver. Okay. I was like, okay, whatever. Like I, okay. It's one week. It's not a big deal. You know, I'll just, I'll just leave it alone. I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast until this week, this week, Mitch Trubisky got an 80 for his performance against Cleveland. 
where he was 20 of 32 for 207 yards and no touchdowns and no interceptions. And I'm like, so you're telling me, PFF, that Mitch Trubisky, who threw for 207 yards and no touchdowns, mm-hmm. had a better game than Patrick Mahomes, who threw for 360 and five touchdowns. That checks out. I <laughs> That was a bridge too far for me. I was like, okay, like I, I guess with the Patrick Mahomes thing, I kind of... It's like, okay, I don't know. They're, it's, they're the ones that grade people. It's their job. It's not mine. I thought he was better than 71. But when you rank... I, I watched the whole game on Thursday. I've watched Mitch Trubisky. I've watched Mitch Trubisky for six years. And I've never seen him play at an 80. I would never give him a B-, minus ever, for any game he's ever played, ever. And my other... Like, my last thought is that Kenny Pickett must have really, really tiny hands... Because Mike Tomlin will not switch. He's like, we're rolling with Mitch. And if you're happy rolling with Mitch from what we've seen so far this season, then Kenny Pickett's tiny little Ken doll hands must really be a problem. I mean, I feel like they would have known that before they drafted him. The more realistic option was that he pulled a Jared Goff and said that he would pipe Tomlin's wife. He had to have done something. Well, I, I don't want to do this every week on the podcast, but I'm going to do it again. I There are Trubisky truthers out there who don't like me because I constantly tweet about how bad he is, but I don't understand it, man. I've never seen it with him. I'm continuing not to see it. The best play the Steelers had the other day was this incredible catch by George Pickens where he like bent yeah. over his own back to like catch it. Like people probably saw the catch. It was incredible. If you didn't see it, go watch it. Yeah, it's reminiscent of the Odell catch. It is. It really is. That's not even hyperbole. But no, it's it's very similar. <laughs> the reason he had to make a catch like that is cuz that ball was horribly thrown. Yeah. You don't you don't have to make a good catch like that on a well-thrown ball. Um so I don't know, man. I the Mitch Trubisky thing continues to astound me. I, I would pay him 15 million dollars to not be my quarterback. I don't understand paying him and starting him every single year. Uh, and it's just driving me insane because yeah. I also have Najee Harris in fantasy. And I feel like the thing that's really holding the Steelers offense back besides having a high school grade offensive line is the fact that they won't make the switch to pick it. I just don't understand. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. And I think that is something that he's clinging to extremely hard. I'm assuming that it simply is boiling down to I'm not going to trust a rookie, which is dumb because then if he goes into year two, well, then you're you're going to trust a guy who has no live fire reps and meaningful snaps. Like, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Trusting Mitch Trubisky is bad coaching. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Don't care. Don't care. That's it's just bad. It's just a bad idea. You should never trust Miss. You should never trust Trubisky. And I I will fist fight every Trubisky. Put yourself in the same boat as Matt Nagy. Like, why would anyone do that? Is he employed? Not for long if he is. But yeah, I just (laughs) going back to Thursday real quick. 
So like the Steelers like were fine in the first half. It was a close game at the end of the half. Right. And then they just come out after half and like instantly have like three, three and outs. And whoever was doing the grading for PFF looked at that and went, that's what I want in my quarterback. <laughs> I think PFF is a bunch of Trubisky truthers and they're trying to pump them up, but I will not fall for it. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I've got one more for you. It's a little out of left field. Hit me. That's the, that's the whole point of the segment. I wrote these when I had too many oh, white claws on Sunday. I don't think Sunday. you realize just how out of left field it is. God, I really hope it's football related. <laughs> make Matt choke on his high noon. Oh boy, is he going to be disappointed? <laughs> Bring us home. Jose Matt. Calderon is a bastard man. Okay, it was not football related. What did Jose Calderon do? We have been inviting Jose Calderon onto this podcast for months. Months. And then he goes and like does an interview with PNC Bank on some bullshit. How dare you? We worshipped you. Like the god that you are. Phenomenal. And but then you go and betray us like that. Jose <laughs> Calderon, we, I will not stop. <laughs> you know what that rant reminded me of? When you're like, we've been inviting him on for months. Months. It reminded me of Tobias with the never nude thing where he's like, there's dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> dozens. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I, I feel like that's as good a place to leave a podcast about a really wacky week three as any. Uh, so as always, <laughs> you can find Fouled Out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. You can also go to our Patreon. Uh, check out check it out at patreon.com slash Fouled Out. Got a couple great college football podcasts up as well as some good MLB ones. Uh, Going to be doing a podcast real soon for picks for the nba season uh and we'll talk about the Ime udoka thing a little bit on there too so you guys don't want to miss that one yeah that one keeps getting deeper and deeper the more mm-hmm. we dig into it in more ways than one uh Matt, you got any other thoughts before we sign off do not let jose calderon get away with it don't do it people i feel like once we get sponsored by something other than me drinking too many white claws on sunday then maybe we could pay to have Jose Calderon on or something. We'll figure that out eventually. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm not going to, you know, back out on my words. So, like, he really does need to come on this podcast. I, just for Matt's sake. Come on, Jose Calderon, do it. But, for all right, my, my own mental health. <laughs> all right, my friend, I will, uh, I will talk to you soon. Later. All right, bye, guys. Bye, Robin. Bye, Mom. Bye, Mom.